This is The Fit Mess with Zach and Jeremy. Hi there, and thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Fit Mess. This week, we will be focusing on ways to hold yourself accountable when it comes to your diet and fitness routine, and where to turn when you need help. We will do that with our guest. His name is Maverick Willett. He is the founder of Maverick Online Coaching. But let's start with diets. Mine's consisted mostly of Pringles, breakfast cereal, and any other garbage I can stress eat and shove into my face hole. How are you doing with your diet, Zach? I was doing fine until I just heard that. That sounds delicious. <laughs> right? Pringles are amazing. They are. They sell um, extra large cans now. No, here's a, here's a hot tip for any parents out there. Let the grandmas know that your kids are into Pringles and all of a sudden like a flat of Pringles shows up at your house and that's all you're eating for a month and a half. It's amazing. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> just don't tell my kids. Yeah. And keep them hidden. <laughs> no, my diet is actually different today. Today? Today. My wife and I are doing the Whole30. Today's day one. And what is Whole30 if I've never done Whole30 before? You know, it's it's really more of an elimination diet. So you're not eating, uh, you're only eating certain types of food. You're not eating um, additional processed sugar. Mm -hmm. So like on a lot of diets, you can't even eat fruit, right? You can't eat sugar, period. Right. On this one, you can. You can eat natural sugars. But, you know, dinner for me tonight was New York strip steak with potatoes. Okay. And it was delicious. But it's real it food. That's kind of the thing, right? It's just eating real actual food that either grows or at one point walked around on the ground. Yeah, it's it's, it's similar to the Bulletproof diet, um, similar to the Paleo diet. It's got a couple of, you know, other restrictions, but, you know, no dairy, no gluten. Um, no dairy. Yeah. That's interesting. No dairy. Okay. Which I'm okay with. I'm not a huge fan of dairy to begin with. Okay. Yeah. No, it's a day one. I haven't killed anyone yet. So <laughs> I call that success so far. Uh, why, why the whole 30? Why, why diet at all? Why, why are you diving into this? So I definitely have a couple of pounds I could, I could lose from COVID, mm -hmm. but really, um, we just got into a habit of eating stuff that really inflamed our bodies mm -hmm. and cause for me, like I've, if I look at sugar, you know, additional processed sugar, mm -hmm. my whole body inflames. Yeah. So we're really just focusing on keeping the processed sugar out, keeping the processed foods out and, you know, resetting our bodies really to, you know, get us back down to a level. And then, you know, we're not going to, well, I might, if it's ice cream, we're not going to <laughs> jump right back into, you know, eating the way we were. We want to slowly introduce things like, you know, we'll introduce a little bit of gluten then we'll introduce a little bit of dairy and, you know, it'll allow us to see, you know, where our body has reactions to mm -hmm. these things. And then long-term we can say, well, dairy does it. I can limit my dairy intake. Interesting. Like I said, my diet has been a mess. There's a, a lot of stuff going on at home that we're just, is very stressful. So I'm uh, eating my feelings and they're delicious. Um, but I, I had an excuse to put on uh, a button up shirt the other day that I haven't worn in quite some time possibly pre COVID and it's a little mm -hmm. snugger than I remember. I'm not, I'm not happy about it. I'm very disappointed in myself dealing with a lot of shame. So I'm going to shove a cookie in my face here in a few minutes to make myself feel better for five seconds. And then, for you five know, seconds. and then, you know, continue the, uh, the cycle of, of poor eating choices until I get my shit together. <laughs> it is amazing how you go down that hole. Um, and I, for me, it's a lot of emotional eating. Like yeah. when I start eating like crap, 
yeah, I can tie it back to anxiety and or the way I feel or, you know, if something stressful is really happening, I love stress eating. Mm-hmm. But all it takes is like, you know, a couple of days of stressful activity for me to eat like crap for two days. Mm-hmm. And then I get into the pattern. So the stress goes away, but the eating stays. Yep. Like it's so easy to fall back into it. For me, you know, we talked to Dave Asprey from Bulletproof a, a while ago and that, you know, I always get motivated by our own conversations, whatever we do, like the next two weeks, I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm on that. I'm doing the shit out of that. Mm-hmm. And I was fasting really well. I was really consistent with it. And then there must've been like a movie night or some reason when I gave myself an excuse to have a bowl of popcorn at 10 o'clock at night. And that, that is the killer for me. If I eat after I'm, I'm like the gremlins, except instead of midnight at 7 PM, if I eat after seven, forget it. My diet is out the window for like three weeks because the habit of getting through the end of your day, when you've gotten your kids through school, you've worked from home, you've done your side gig, you've produced your podcast, you've you know called your friends, well, all the things you got to do, 10 o'clock at night is an awesome time to just eat all that stress away. And it, does, it just creates a habit where all of a sudden your body says, hey, remember last night? That was fun. Let's do that again. <laughs> <laughs> My body just loves to go back to that party. <laughs> Even though you wake up feeling like shit the next day. And that's like, I forget when I do, when I'm clean for a while and then I do go off the rails, man, I forget how much the, uh, the food hangover hurts. That is horrible. It really does hurt. It's amazing. However, that being said, you know, uh, whenever I do try and get back on the, on the bandwagon, uh, I always try and start simple. So I'm, I'm trying so hard to get back into fasting. Uh, last night I picked it back up. I think my cutoff was like seven 30. Uh, hung with it until almost 1130 today. So score one. However, I, you know, the, the stuff I've eaten since then, not, not so good. I don't want to put that in my food diary. I'm, I'm ashamed of it. So I'm not going to write it down, <laughs> but you fasted, but I fasted. I'm going to do it again here in about an hour. I, I've got some food waiting for me upstairs after the show. And so, you know, it'll start there. It'll, I'll start adding the meditation back in. I'll, uh, I'll start eating a little better after that. Things will get right on track. I'll be feeling good. And then some horrible thing will happen and I'll be completely derailed again and I'll do it all over again. 80-20, man. 80-20. You can't be great all the time at everything. That's right. You got to, if you can get 80% of the time, it's okay. Now, for me personally, it's usually like (laughs) (laughs) 60-40. I was thinking like 30-70, you know, but... You do what you no. can. You do what you can. That's uh, that's the whole point of this thing is going through this struggle together. Yeah, it's all messy. But it's uh, you know it's times like this. It's it's the struggle like this when I feel like maybe what I need is a coach. Maybe I need to turn to somebody for some accountability. I need somebody to keep me uh, keep me honest to monitor what I'm doing. And we found somebody who makes a living doing this. He is fantastic. He's a fun guy to talk to. His name is Maverick Willett. He runs Maverick Online Coaching. It's an online fitness uh, and accountability program. He is so much fun to talk to, and he's even more fun to follow on social me- social media. The day after we talked to him, he posted something on on uh, Instagram that was like Maverick Willett poop expert, and he posted in this this whole thing about like how you poop and how quickly you poop is an indicator of you know how well your gut biome is doing. Just a funny dude, and and really fun to talk to. We had a chance to talk to him a few days ago about. His very interesting background, how it led him on a path of fitness that has guided his whole life, and why he thinks that dieting, Zach, may not be the best thing for you. 
to my credit though, at the end of it, he did say, if you want to do a quick, you know, if you want to get into ketosis or do a quick reset or something like that, he was all for it. So long as it's not your long-term goal. Well, we'll let him speak for himself. Our talk now with Maverick Willett. You came from a family that was very focused on fitness. Did that sort of shape uh, your your path and your sort of, I, I guess, love for fitness? It absolutely did. I mean, just such a unique upbringing. Um, you know, I, I remember just squatting side by side with my mom and uh, not being able to out bench press her until I was almost in college. And that's such a unique thing to have with with, with your mom, especially, but but your parents, too. And, and you know, my, my dad and I competed a lot. Um, you know, I played basketball and, and he and I would, we would do our off season conditioning by, by racing road bikes in the summer. Um, and we were very competitive and he pushed me even in his sixties, he was still pushing me. So very, very um, influential upbringing, especially on the fitness front, the nutrition front for sure. And then that sort of took you, I know your path took you into the military and college basketball. I mean, these are not things that most people, a path that most people follow. These are very driven, dedicated decisions. They definitely pushed me to to push past the norm. You know, I couldn't just join the army. I had to be a ranger. It was either rangers or seals, and I can't swim for shit. So it definitely came down to to rangers. So I sink like a cinder block, no buoyancy. So I, I remember I told my dad, I was like, you know, I think I want to be a seal, and he's like, I don't think you do. I think you want to want to go another route. So I <laughs> ranger instead. But yeah, I, I don't, they just always pushed me to kind of aspire to to be, you know, just outside the norm. My mom definitely walked to the beat of her own drum. So seeing her as someone who grew up in a, in a one bedroom house and just really came from a lot of, um, she came from a very uh, humble background and dropped out of high school at a very young age to now have a doctorate degree and run a company and uh, in, in the HR division. So just seeing her and that having that example, that's kind of, that kind of led me to work with women primarily in, in what we do now. Um, but yeah, I, I just knew that I wanted to help people on a large scale. And when the online coaching thing kind of came about eight, nine years ago, uh, I got really got interested and and just um, finally pursued it full time two years ago and, and never looked back. I, I should have done it sooner, honestly. So tell us a little bit more about that. What is your business and how are you helping people? So we we do online coaching. I know that's kind of a, a, a vague term these days. It's like everybody and their mother's an online coach, but we we mm-hmm. specialize in uh, body composition change for for women. And I say that because it's you know there's weight loss and there's body composition change, and, and we work primarily with women who don't just want to drop a, a ton of weight, but want to shape their body at the same time and then kind of um, add that that feminine shape, that, that feminine muscle to their frame. And that's kind of a different science. You know, um, it's uh, weight loss, just sheer weight loss is, um, you know, a simple caloric deficit and body composition changes where you start to have to focus on macros and micros and, and your training and, and, and recovery and all that kind of stuff. So we specialize in that realm. Um, women, you know, usually 30 plus, uh, because uh, I've just, we've kind of niched down, uh, over the, over the past couple of years, because that's just who I enjoy working with most. Um, and I just, I think it goes back to my mom having that, that Valkyrie of a, of a matriarch in my, as my, you know, my mom, um, and having a strong female role model. And I just enjoy empowering women and seeing them thrive, especially when they, they have more, I think, expectations in society placed upon them and stigmas. And despite that, they've, proven to be a little more coachable than, than men in my experience. So I just, that's just what we've we've enjoyed doing. And we kind of give them balance, you know, and and escape the fad dieting culture and the the yo-yo dieting to give them a sustainable answer. So are any of the principles that you teach, just listening to you, you focus on women, what works for a man and what works for a woman? Not always the same thing when you're talking about weight loss, body composition, strength training. Is that right? 
It is, it is true. Um, when it comes down to the, the psychological aspect though, um, and, and the balance in my experience, uh, men are, can do a little bit better with restriction and with, um, especially on the nutrition front. I mean, I've had male clients in the past that literally ate the same thing every day for months on end. And for a mother or, you know, a busy female professional, that's just not realistic. Um, it usually has to be something that they can, the family can enjoy as well. And it has to be something that really gives them that hormonal support. Um, women are a little bit more sensitive to hormonal fluctuations, uh, either whether it be from the environment, whether it be from their food, whether it be from stress. Uh, and so that's a, that's a fine balance and it's a fine line to walk. And, and with women, it really has to be something um, mindset centered as well. There's, if you go in the grocery store right now and you go in the checkout aisle, you'll see every single cover say something along the lines of lose 48 pounds in you know one month or you know he's Dr. Oz saying whatever bullshit he's saying. So that that it like repetitively enforces in their mind that they should, they should be comparing to whoever's on that cover and they should be comparing their journey to their to the person's on the cover's journey and question their own results. And it's just clever advertising, but it's it's manipulative. And so um, that that's a big part of it is changing that internal narrative that women have with themselves that says they're not good enough or they're a bad mom or their 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 needs come last. And, and that's something I've really had to study, read up on, talk to clients, talk to talk to women and, and really learn because I don't have that firsthand experience. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely more a little more mindset focused, I would say. So the the name of our show is The Fit Mess. And I want to hear about what is the most common messy part of what you do, right? What's the most common complaint mistakes that people make? Um, where do people struggle the most? Where do you see where do you see that trending? Because of the, the fad dieting culture, and the instant gratification, human nature, I find myself perpetually battling that um, a lot of people see my before after results with my clients and think that that happens very quickly. And it, it doesn't, it happens at least in a five to six month time frame. because if you want those results to stay, that's how long it needs to take. Anything that happens overnight with weight loss or body composition is just as quick to disappear. So, mm -hmm. um, I think in like, especially at first being okay with delayed gratification is the biggest challenge knowing that that's the only way these results are going to stick and it's the small habits with your mindset and daily rituals that are going to make this a lifelong adjustment a lifelong change and so many people think that they can do you know dynamic change overnight but in reality it, it takes and and jeremy i know you know this it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot of little things that give you that compound interest over time so that's not sexy that's hard to to make sound really cool and interesting and fun, but it, it, that's that's kind of the the perpetual challenge we have. So I want to jump in there. Um, I, I saw you post something the other day on I think it was on Instagram about the keto diet. I know for, from what I can tell online, you don't seem to be a fan. Uh, I, and I'll tell you that I lost seventy pounds on the keto diet with a combination of that and fasting and and just twenty minutes of you know hard workout every day. And over the course of, I don't even know, several months, but mm -hmm. it, it did come off the thing that I, and also I'm a vegetarian, so I had to modify it to, to some degree, but, um, I'm a simple dude, right? If we, if we start getting into macros and counting and, and it's gotta be proportioned this and that, the thing I love about the keto diet is that it is simple to me. Every, every diet I've ever tried, the simpler it is, the more success that I have. And so far, I, th I think I've gained back like 10, 10 of the 70 pounds that I lost. And I blame COVID 100% for those, <laughs> those 10 pounds. Yeah. Um, so, but, but talk to me about why is that maybe not the best solution for somebody? 
Well, I think it, it, it comes down to the fact that I have to find the most implementable and uh, mo- the most easily um, complied with approach that's going to work for the most amount of people and bring the most amount of people balance in their lives. I have found, especially with keto, that men typically have a higher success rate than women for a lot of the reasons that I said, but another reason why it's, it's simple, but it's one of the hardest, most restrictive diets to do. And, and so that's why I, as, as someone who is trying to help people find that balance and find that long-term answer, because you yourself said, it's, it's, I did keto, I, it's past tense, right? I'm trying to help people find a, something they can adhere to for life. So they don't have to search for another diet. They don't have to search for, okay, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I'm, I don't know what to do. Where do I go? Where do I turn? Um, and I found that nine out of 10 people don't really know what to do after keto. Like there's, there's kind of that vague question mark of what about, okay, what about after I'm done or what, what comes next? And you hear all kinds of answers like, well, then you go lazy keto and then you, and then you have a cheat meal for two weeks and you go back on it, do your reset. And it's like, it's, it's so much misleading stuff. So I'm, I try to simplify it as much as I can for people, help them become calorically aware so that by having that tool for the rest of their life, if they want to do keto, if they want to do so, at least they know how much they're consuming and how that affects their energy balance. Because from tra- from becoming calorically aware, and that's just a fancy word for or term for calorie tracking, by doing that for a short period of time, you enable you empower yourself to never have to do it again because you gain that intuitive eye for food. You know what you're getting from each food. You know what you're getting from this. How big your portion sizes should be. So you kind of enable yourself to never have to do it again from having done it for a short period. And so, to me, that's an invaluable tool. So then, no matter what, they know their answer for themselves. They know what works for them. They know what they can do. What foods work with their bodies, which don't. Keto is is kind of a it's, there's one way to do it. And that's, and, and for a lot of people, they haven't developed that baseline knowledge of um, caloric awareness and, and knowing a carbohydrate from a protein or from a fat. And then if the, if it's kind of like CrossFit, not that nothing against CrossFit, but if you don't know, if you have a, if you're very new to the gym to thrust yourself into a bunch of Olympic lifting with no prior knowledge, it's a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for injury. It's kind of mm-hmm. the same concept. If you have no prior knowledge of foods or anything, keto can be dangerous for people. But I have found that for whatever reason, men have an easier time with it. And I think it goes back to the fact that men are a little bit better with restriction and better with a like a, a regiment every single day. And, and women, in my experience, need a little more balance through their lives and with especially with hormonal fluctuations and cravings that can result from that. But yeah, I, I do talk to people who have seen success with it or, or they did it for a period that got off that initial weight. And that's a, that's a big clientele of mine as well. People who did keto in the past and now they don't know where to go from there. And then that's when I kind of take the reins and it's like, okay, let's teach you caloric awareness. Let's teach you macro. Let's teach you this so that, you know, now you, now you know what to do for the rest of your life. It's not really the keto diet specifically. It's all of these other diets that are, that are fads and, and one-time things that you go on to and come off of. Right. Yeah. I mean, Herbalife, Atkins, you name it. I'm against any kind of harsh restriction long-term because long-term it does tend to affect people hormonally, especially on the thyroid front. I mean, thyroid typically gets down-regulated without fructose and glucose to convert thyroid hormone in the liver. So long-term, you see a decrease in body temperature with a lot of people. Um, short-term, I'm still, I'm still on the fence with keto. You know, if it's someone who's going to legit go to ketosis and, and do it and, you know, do it legit for a short term, get that weight off and then, and then go for something else. I'm like, why not? You know, it's okay. But majority of people, I think that they don't know what they're doing <laughs> with nutrition. You Google, I, I did this. I did a screen record the other day and I Googled how to lose weight. 
And the first four things that came up, it was four, it was two fad diets and two other ads. And then the next thing was super misleading. And the next thing was telling them to do keto. The next thing was, to, and it was like, no wonder people struggle with this because there's 20 different answers when you Google one thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, uh, and even when you try to just eat a healthy diet, you go to the grocery store, so much of what is in the grocery store is packaged garbage. I mean, it's not even food, no matter how many times natural is written on the box or whatever. But uh, to me, that that is one of the great sort of crimes of our society is that is that we constantly tell people look this way feel this way you can do it real easy just eat right now go into the garbage store and eat all that garbage and good luck with that like how what do you tell people to buy at the store that doesn't require reading you know 87 ingredients that they've never heard of before well our 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 people they go into the grocery store prepare they have a, a plan of action they have a blueprint and i mean first and foremost, stay out of the inside of the store, you know, stay on the outside to get mm-hmm. the produce. Um, that's, that's like my, my just for everybody tip, but um, you know, we give a, a kind of a, a premium list of foods. We don't demonize any foods, but we say, these are the foods you're going to get your goals the fastest, right? These are your premium fuels. If you have a gas station, you got premium fuel, silver, unleaded. These are your premium fuels. So um, they kind of go in there with that, with that, you know, preparation. Um, we do kind of like to teach people how to fish instead of give them a fish. So we'll give them, list of foods, we'll tell them, you know, their calories and macros, kind of what portions they'll be looking for in each meal. And then as over the course of the first two weeks, they kind of hit that learning curve of figuring out what works with their schedule, what works with their body, what they like out of the foods, what they don't like. And then over time they get, it gets really personalized because they have something that, that they're like, okay, I, I, I tried this, didn't work. I tried this. I loved it. Um, now I know I need to eat four meals a day. I need to eat this, this much protein per meal. And this, and they, like I said, it, over time they develop this tool to be able to, to do that for the rest of their life. So um, but yeah, if you're just like going in the grocery store green with all this misinformation, best I can say is just stay on the outside. Don't go on the, with the processed stuff. Um, try to stay away from vegetable oils. Try to go with, you know, the, uh, butter and, and coconut oil, stuff like that. Um, I mean, there's there's several things I would say, but that's like number one. Don't stay out of the inside. That's where all the bad shit is. You mentioned premium food, regular food. Can you give me an example of one premium food and then one regular food? I just want to hear what that difference is. Cooking oils is a good example. So like for, for us, we want to, we want to, if you're using a cooking fat, we want to give you medium chain triglyceride fats, which are, are, are going to be metabolized easy. It's going to, they're going to, um, I like saturated fats as well, healthy saturated fats. So olive oil would be like in the middle, be like your silver and then, uh, like coconut oil, grass fed butter, organic beef, tallow, good micronutrient content, um, would be a premium. And then your, your unleaded would be like canola oil or uh, vegetable oil or corn oil, those things that, that are polyunsaturated fats that are going to cause a lot of, of problems in your body. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a good, that's a good example. Uh, another one would be like macadamia nut butter. And then in the middle would be like almond butter. And at the bottom would be peanut butter. We're not a fan of peanut oil. And, and within nutrition, the nutrition industry, you're going to have people who hear me say that and they're like, what? There's nothing wrong with peanut oil. There's nothing wrong with, you know, olive oil, all this stuff. And it's just, this is the system that we've developed. And, and every coach you talk to will have a different kind of philosophy. We try to emphasize micronutrient content and decrease inflammation and decrease, um, you know, any kind of gas, bloating, low, high FODMAP foods. It's kind of a lower FODMAP approach. So highest digestibility and micronutrient bang for your buck foods. That's going to be your premium foods. You, you just mentioned lower FODMAP approach, right? Mm-hmm. Can you tell me more about that? I, I constantly struggle with the foggy brain 
Yeah, yeah. So FODMAP is is basically like the the gas, um, high gas foods, right? So broccoli would be a high FODMAP food. Anytime you eat broccoli, you get super bloated um, and, and probably some brain fog. And if you get those symptoms, it, you're experiencing some form of inflammation. The difference between humans and animals are when, when animals eat something that's inflammatory, right? Like anything with high lectin content, infl inflammation, they don't eat that food again. They say, oh, that made me feel really terrible because on a, on a smaller level, like insects and stuff, if they eat those foods, they die, they get paralyzed or die. But humans, it's more of a cumulative effect. So the difference between us and animals is they'll stop eating it. Humans will take Tums or sodium bicarbonate, Nexium, Prilosec and quell the symptoms and keep eating the thing that's trying to tell us that's not good for you. So um, broccoli, cauliflower, asparagus, Brussels sprouts, um, cruciferous veggies all have this effect on humans because I mean, it's, it's a whole botany lesson. I mean, one of the biggest things is grazing animals um, are called ruminants. They have multiple stomachs that are made for di digesting cellulose from, from cruciferous veggies and humans don't have that. So the cellulose sits in our stomach and it ferments. And we, then we get uh, bacterial overgrowth and that's what, where you get that bloating brain fog and, and gas and stuff like that from eating those raw veggies. When you cook them or you, you choose lower FODMAP veggies, you don't have those effects. You're, you're usually able to digest them better. And this, this goes all into gut health, right? And, and we're big on gut health. Um, your gut health is is literally like dictates your quality of life. So um, that that factors into the foods that we recommend. We say, you know, we don't want to cut out anything completely, but we want to minimize things that are going to cause those symptoms. And people who we've we have found anecdotally through years of experience when we cut out those raw cruciferous veggies, typically who are the, and they're touted to be very, very healthy, right? Like everywhere you go, we all eat broccoli. It's healthy. Well, yeah, it's full of micronutrients, but it's also full of lectins because that plant has to produce those to protect itself from from predators and it's higher in, in those lectins. So, you know, we, we recommend um, cooking the lectins out like 20, 30 minutes if you're going to eat those veggies or there's alternatives as well. So that's that's kind of what goes into our, our food recommendations because we, we're all about decreasing inflammation. And that was the next buzzword I was going to ask you about is inflammation seems to be the thing that everyone is jumping on, especially right now, trying to boost everyone's immune system, trying to get us as healthy as possible to fight off COVID and all the other diseases that are out there trying to kill us. <laughs> what, what do we do about inflammation? And I've done everything now from breath work to ice baths to, to trying to, you know, eat the right things to, to reduce it. How dangerous is inflammation? How widespread is it uh, in our culture? And what do we do to combat it? You know, I used to think inflammation was just like joint pain and stuff, but it's so much more than that. It's, it's joint pain. It's, it's all the, the aforementioned, it was, it's bloating, it's, it's brain fog. It's, it's, um, you know, any of the, any of those symptoms, that's, that's types of inflammation. Um, and it's, it's everywhere. And, and there's a lot of debate within the nutrition community about what causes people inflammation. For instance, um, whole grains are full of uh, a substance called WGA. And that has been uh, a part of our diet for, you know, 400, 500 years. And in, in fact, our ancestors used to eat it. And uh, it used to be a, like a sign of, of, of endearment to have a wheat, what was called a wheat belly, like, because it was, it was making people gain a lot of weight. And wheat is one of the biggest causes of, of obesity in, in North America since, since we started having that in our diets. Um, but it, it also causes a lot of inflammation. And, but if I say that, if I say that in a room full of registered dietitians and, and, and everybody, you'll have like five different arguments going on. Like, no, whole grains prevents diabetes, you know, and, and then you'll have other people say, no, it's, you know, you should, you should stick with this kind of carbohydrate. No. So it, it really like depends on which it's like when you pick a side, the nutrition community, community, it's almost like politics. Like you're, you're banished. If you, if you say anything, it's whole grains. So I'm not going to say cut anything out completely, but there you need to look at um, one, one of the biggest things I can say and be confident about is 
grass-fed products versus grain-fed products. That's one of the biggest uh, biggest things that I feel like people don't know about when it comes to meat dairy. Um, a lot of people think they're dairy intolerant, but they're actually uh, intolerant to grains. You, you're not just what you eat, you are what you eat has eaten. So if you're drinking uh, you know, grain-fed dairy or you're eating grain-fed meat, Sometimes it, it might just be that the, the grain fed animal, you might want to switch to grass fed. I mean, in the, in the industrial cattle industry, cattle are fed grains primarily, and they get so inflamed by eating it that the farmers have to give them sodium bicarbonate to quell the, that inflammation. So they'll keep eating because the cattle will stop eating if they don't. Well, that affects us the same way, usually most people. Um, so I've had clients that thought they were dairy intolerant for years and then switched to grass fed dairy, completely fine, no issues. Um, the other problem with dairy is the a casein A1 protein. Um, like 2000 years ago, there was a spontaneous mutation with cows and they started producing a new protein called casein A1 protein. And uh, that, that's inflammatory to a lot of people. The Holstein is the main bread, bread, breed of cow that we use to get dairy from, and it's an A1 cow. A type of milk called A2 casein protein, which was around before that mutation. I've had people that were thought that they thought that they were dairy intolerant and then they tried a2 protein milk there's actually a brand called a2 um and, and there's certain brands like horizon organic that's casein a1 or i'm sorry casein a2 and by switching they were fine so oftentimes society and mainstream nutrition tries to say well cut out dairy cut out meat just arbitrarily without thinking about these other things that could be going on that's a great way to decrease inflammation you're going to get a better micronutrient profile you're going to get a better um, omega-6s are another thing that can be inflammatory grain-fed meat Grain-fed dairy, um, even eggs are, are, are higher in omega-6. When you go to grass-fed, it's higher omega-3, which is going to be less inflammatory. Um, so that, that's a big thing that can cut down on inflammation that people, I feel like people don't really know about is the grass-fed versus grain-fed thing and the A1 versus A2. I, I, I stress that with a lot of people and it's like blows their mind because they didn't, well, this isn't readily available information. You know, you have to kind of dig for it. So that's a big one. You know, I think I want to bring it down a little bit. Can you talk? You know, I just want to hear three simple things that somebody, you know, if, if they want to get healthier, if they want to feel better, if they want to get rid of the brain fog and the, you know, the issues in their body, you know, what, what would three simple things be that you would tell somebody to, to do today without having to, uh, you know, look at the historical genetic <laughs> mutation of, of dairy? Yeah, not everyone's a nerd like me. I, <laughs> I think one big thing that's not emphasized enough is non-exercise activity. Um, you know, the way we burn calories every day, it's 70, 70% burned at rest, 15% burned, um, non-exercise activity, 10% burned digesting food and 5% burned with exercise. And people make the biggest mistake of putting most focus on what matters the least when it comes to weight loss and, and calorie burn. So those other 23 hours of the day, if you're sedentary, like you can go to the gym and, and, and train, but if you, if you go home and you're sedentary, there are 23 hours, your body's going to pick someone who's sedentary 23 hours of the day and not someone who goes to the gym for an hour, assuming you're doing the right things in the gym, which is a whole other subject. But I think uh, this is as simple as going on 10 minute walks after you, after you eat. That's something I'm real big on. I got it from a mentor of mine named Stan, Stan Efforting. 10 minute walks. Um, it, it helps you uptake those nutrients, start digesting your food. If you just eat a big meal and then go sit around like a banana slug, like Thanksgiving dinner, it's, it's going to not digest as well. It's going to, you're going to be more prone to store that food as body fat rather than stored as energy, um, especially the carbohydrates in that meal. So just going on a simple walk, like after you eat, I would, I would say two to three times a day would make, it makes a world of difference. I've gotten people off blood pressure medications and statins just from starting to do that. So it's, it's, it's such a small, simple practice that you can implement now and start seeing such a monumental compound type of result down the road. Um, so that's one. And then two is, um, 
yeah, I, I got to say the grass fed thing. I'm, I'm huge on it. Grass fed butter, grass fed dairy, grass fed meat. Uh, it makes such a big difference and it's such a small thing. Um, Trader Joe's is amazing at that. They have a ton of grass fed products, grass fed yogurt. Um, I would say that if you could make the switch to that, we're really big on that because that's, it's literally helped people be able to consume dairy. And I'm a huge dairy fan because it's just such a nutritious food and, and mm -hmm. calcium, vitamin D and, and a complete macronutrient profile most of the time. So um, just a big, big proponent of grass fed. And then the last thing is, uh, you know, you can't fix what you don't know. And a lot of people, uh, there's so many, as we've said, there's so many diet approaches out there. None of them are going to work unless you become mindful of what's leading to the emotions that lead you to have kind of destructive behaviors with food in the first place. And mm -hmm. so that's why we're so big on mindset. And what we do is you kind of have to understand what if you if you repetitively have a pattern of behavior that leads you to binge eat or eat the whole bag when you could have had a handful or what have you, you have to ask, why did I do that? And what feeling led to that? Was it stress? Was it relationship turmoil? Was it trauma? Am I escaping some kind of stressor? Am I escaping some kind of uh, painful event? What is going on? And once you become aware of that and connect the dots, then you can start to rewire, but you can't fix what you don't know. So I'm, I'm kind of, I don't mean to sound like um, woo woo or anything, but meditation is, is like at the core of what we do. I, I believe in it wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. It's helped me change a ton of my negative behaviors and character defects. So it's something that we wholeheartedly recommend for people who, who just want to, you have to make that second order change in order yeah. to, I mean, no diet, no coach is going to work and, until you do that. So I think there's such a habit. I, I know that I've wrestled with it, with it in the past. When you do binge, you eat something crappy. It's, it's so easy to go, oh, I screwed up. So how do I fix it? Instead of going, oh, I screwed up. Why? Right. And, and that is such a vicious cycle to get stuck in and constantly making the mistake, punishing yourself. Well, I'll just work out harder tomorrow. And then you get hurt and then you're on the couch for a week and then you feel like crap. So then you eat like, it's just, it's so easy to get, to get stuck there and meditation changed my life. So, you know, it's, you can't there, there get woo-woo enough for me. So, so don't worry about that. Perfect. Glad <laughs> to hear that. Yeah. So if people want to know more about you or more about your program, where can they find you? Maverick Online Coaching. Uh, we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on, we're on TikTok now. We're uh, we're on YouTube. So uh, if you search Maverick Online Coaching, we'll we'll come up everywhere. So that's that's the best way to to find us and what we do. And and you have a lot of fun with your social media, so definitely worth the follow. It's a, it's it's a good account to follow. To. Gotta have fun. Yeah, that's <laughs> that keeps it interesting. Um, and this is this is fascinating. And uh, you know, I know it's super cliche. Every podcast says I literally could talk to you all day because you. <laughs> You not only know what you're talking about, but you you share it in a very grounded, uh, approachable way and very entertaining. And um, I just uh, can't thank you enough and uh, and wish you the best of success with your with your business. It sounds like you're doing a lot of great things for a lot of people. Thank you all so much. That's why we do it, just to, to help people kind of clear up that confusion and misinformation and, and give them a tool that can, they can implement for life. So I appreciate you guys having me on. You guys are super easy to talk to as well. That was Maverick Willett. His website is maverickonlinecoaching.com. He's being generous enough to offer you 20% off of his personalized one-to-one -one transformation coaching program. All you need to do is uh, hit him up on Facebook or Instagram with the direct message referencing a fit mess podcast, and you will get a 20% off of that program. And there are of course links to that on the show notes for this episode at thefitmess.com. So diets, um, you know, I've struggled up and down with them my whole life. I've mostly had success 
with three main ways of dieting. One, calorie tracking, which seems to be something he's into. That's it's pretty much a lifelong sustainable plan. Mm-hmm. I always struggle with it though because it is you know you open a, a can of Pringles like I mentioned, which you know they can sponsor us anytime they like. Um, <laughs> But, you know, you put in that couple hundred calories and you think, oh, well, that, that's a good little snack. I'm good. And then like eight minutes later, you're starving and you just had 200 calories for no reason. So there is a science to it that is many times way beyond what my little brain can handle. Um, and that's why I do, like I mentioned in the interview, I, I have enjoyed, um, you know, Atkins diet, keto diet. I've had great success with both. Um, keto, uh, I think, is a bit healthier uh, if you're going to choose one of the methods, but they're pretty similar. But those are the diets that I've had the most success with over my life. And the keto diet, I have, for the most part, uh, kept most of the weight off, except for COVID and just never leaving my house. Well, and, you know, other than how you're eating right now. Right. The keto diet, I mean, if you do any of these diets long enough, you're going to change your eating habits. Yep. Right? So long-term sustainability for the keto diet no bueno. Like right. I, I couldn't do it. I think the longest I ever went on the keto diet was four months. And that was, I had two really big goals that I needed to be keto on. So, yeah, but, it, but it changes your perspective on food and being full and eating when you're hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, for me anyway, yeah, same thing with me. The keto diet was my, I probably lost the most weight on the keto diet. I went from like 210 down to like 180. Wow. And I, I never thought that 180 pounds would be on this body. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. I might be back up closer to 200 <laughs> now, but you know, but the, yeah, the keto diet definitely worked for me, but it did change. It changed my relationship with food to a certain extent. And every now and again, my brain gets all weird and drunk and I go back to the old relationship, mm-hmm. you know, call mm-hmm. it, open the pantry and be like, ah, Pringles, yeah. ah, ice cream it's changed my relationship with food. So I, I don't believe in dieting long-term. Mm-hmm. I think that some diets can really help you reset or change your mindset. Um, just like, you know, right now I'm on day one of the whole 30, just as a, a reset for my body to reduce inflammation, to figure out what foods cause me to feel yeah bad. I think it's also an interesting, uh, practice of discipline. I mean, so many of the things that we, uh, have talked about on this show. So many of the things that we promote are just about keeping your mindset and your focus on the things that are important. And for me, I found like you're saying, it changes your relationship with food. I don't even remember how long I was strictly keto. It was probably similar four or five months, something like that. But I remember making decisions that were so much easier than they would have been prior to that. And it was things like I would have just been, my body was just burning fat like crazy. And somebody at work would be like, oh, hey, do you want a, want a cookie? Or, hey, do you want some of these wheat thins? And I would look at them and they didn't even look like food anymore. I was just like, mm-hmm. why would I eat that rock? That's it just like, it didn't even process in my brain as, oh, that's something I would put in my body anymore. And that I think is largely the reason that the weight stayed off for so long is because just mentally there was this shift where I was like, that's not food. And then you have a bite and you're like, oh my God, my life has changed forever. <laughs> and you fall off the wagon. But well, I, yeah. So when I was in college, I was close to 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons for that was um, one of my friends was a manager at the local McDonald's. Mm-hmm. So I would go down with my other buddy every day. That's what we ate. 
yep. every single day. And because my friend was the manager, there was no restriction on what I could do. So it was like double quarter pounder, 20 piece chicken nugget, mm-hmm. large fry. And if there were any extra hash browns, I would take those too. <laughs> like just put all on a, put blender. it all in a blender and just smash it all together. Get a straw. But fast, you know, but that was just amazing for me then. Like I just remember being so happy eating that food <laughs> and it tasted so good. Fast forward to now, I'm a I'm a big fan of the McRib yeah. at McDonald's. Yeah. And I was like, okay, it's back. I got I have to go get it. So I got the McRib. I got fries. The McRib was okay because it was barbecue sauce. Mm-hmm. But like everything else was horrible. Yeah. It was so gross. And I felt <laughs> My, my, you could hear my stomach from across the room, like 20 minutes after I ate, my stomach was like, what did you do to me? <laughs> so again, changing that relationship with the food and it, yes. it doesn't taste the same anymore. No, no. And that's where, you know, again, if you struggle with this stuff, like I do, and I don't want to speak for you, Zach, but it sounds like you do as well. That's where a coach like Maverick Willett is uh, invaluable. Having somebody to keep you accountable, to tell you, to teach you really how to eat. That's, I've taken nutrition classes and even had the nutrition, the nutrition teacher talk to me at one point and say like, you just, you really don't get this. Like, because it was, (laughs) it's so scientific. It is so much more involved than you would think eating should be. And, you know, and maybe for a lot of people, it's not, maybe they can just, they have a, strong enough metabolism and they can just eat and their bodies just process it and it's fine. That's not the case for me. I eat like shit and my body says that's not going to work and either blimps up, gets hurt, whatever. And so that's where, you know, having somebody who can break it down for you, make it really simple can be extremely beneficial. So again, uh, fit mess podcast is the code you're going to want to DM to Maverick on uh, his Instagram or his Facebook page. And there are links to both of those on our website, thefitmess.com. And while you're at our website, go ahead and follow us on all the various social media channels that you use. Subscribe to us on whatever podcast player you're using. And please do sign up for our newsletter so you never miss a thing related to the show. Uh, That's going to do it for this week. We will be back next week, uh, hopefully on a Wednesday. That's the plan anyways. And uh, we will talk to you then at thefitmess.com. See you, everyone. We know this podcast is amazing and does not seem to lack anything, but we do need a legal disclaimer. Jeremy and Zach are not doctors. They do not play them on the Internet, and even if they did play them on the Internet, they would be really bad at it. Please consult your physician prior to implementing any changes that you heard on this podcast. The listener assumes that Jeremy and Zach do not know what they are talking about and that you will do your own research on the topics talked about on this podcast.